0: hi guys welcome to the latest episode of that dj podcast in this episode i chat to elijah and grundy real names elliot and jack about their journeys as producers and djs they started out under the alias bang tidy with their last track under that name landing them a beatport top 10 on dj skt's stash music label they're now making strides as elijah and grundy with support from names such as Idris Elba, Reaver Star, Sonny Federa, and Hannah Wants. Here is Elliot describing why they changed their name.
1: So we um we used to go by the name Bang Tidy ages ago. We, it was a I bit of a joke. That.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: We started off kind of as a bit of a joke, like well not like a bit of a joke, but we were messing about. And then we wrote a tune, um, Freak um which sort of when it was like the top 50 selling tracks of like 2017 or something like that it was mental like it got it was like top 10 on beatport and we were just like up there with all these quite big artists and we didn't even have like an avatar on beatport or anything like that and we just you know we were we, well, just... we made the decision at that point to to go
2: for something a bit more sophisticated do you know what i mean to kind of fit with the style of the music because at first it was like it was a lot more like bass house sort of thing uh which obviously comes with that sort of quirky names do you know what i mean but uh, we started to get like a bit deeper and like more um sophisticated with the style of music that we were making so we thought we'd change the name to sort of suit that
0: so yeah yeah, you've obviously you've touched on it a little bit there but do you want to kind of tell me how how you both got into music and how how it all kind of started
1: um i'll start off like yeah we We've always been into like, um, I mean, Leeds has got a massive club culture. Um, So like everything from, we started going to like Subdub, which is in the West Indian, uh, West Indian centre in Chapel Town. So like, it's a lot of dub and drum and bass and stuff like that. And that was like the only club that would let us in uh, when we were like 15, 16. So yeah, so we started off going there. Well, I did. Didn't it? You, you, you got subbed up as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we had a bit of a big crew of us, and we were just kind of ravers and going to, like, drum and bass nights. And then you kind of progressed on to being more house music. Um, we started off producing drum and bass and stuff. But I think as you get older, you get to a certain point, and you're like, I can't keep, like... It's too fast. Yeah, <laughs> I can't keep skanking out to, like, jump up wobblers, you know what I mean? Like, after a while, you get tired. You need to, you need to slow the tempo down, don't you? So... Yeah. And I guess it's just like a natural progression in it, in your life. You start off and it's just like, you, you just want everything, you know, short, sharp and like in your face, like jump up drum and bass. But I guess as we got older, it's like the sounds progressed, you know, more like um, sophisticated and a little bit more classy.
0: Yeah. So so how did it go from you you guys kind of going out clubbing and, and raving to it's kind of DJing yourselves and, and starting to make tracks? How did, how did you make that, that jump?
2: Yeah, we've, all been well, we've been we've been like producing since school and that. We actually had quite a good setup in school where uh, in music class there was like a few computers and what have you, and sort of showed you the basics. I think it was Reason back then. Um, IQ, IQ basing in right. me. So. I mean, I remember learning on Reason and stuff like that, but always sort of had a bash at making tunes, but only really sort of took it seriously in like the past decade or so. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with clubbing, doesn't it? It's like you go out and you hear, like, different styles of music and then you kind of incorporate that into your own productions. And, and like Elliot said, you know, we've been doing, uh, we started with drum and bass and then just sort of evolved into house music. But it's it's always got that kind of early
1: influence in the in the new stuff as well. It gets nice to get Hip hop influence in there as well, like just sort of blending a few different genres, like a bit of garage, a bit of, like, um, you know, like, yeah, like drum and bass sounds and stuff like that. So yeah, a bit, bit of a mashup, really. Just, just with a four B, you can throw anything on it, can't you? Really. So like, that's that's the way we're taking it.
0: So did it start? Did it start? Did you start producing first, or were you you DJing first? What what came first?
2: Producing first, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, only really sort of started to DJ to you know have a presence out there in public because like we've we produced for a long time before we really got got heavy on DJing, but I think that's kind of like a better way to go about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, if you learn like the ins, ins and outs, it not only makes you a better DJ, but it's also like it's easier than coming out the other way of being like a really top DJ than trying to produce stuff. You know. If you, know, uh, if you know how to produce before you start DJing, it, it, it kind of helps you formulate
1: your sets and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? I guess as well, like, nowadays, like, it's so easy to DJ. Like, everyone can DJ, can't they? But unless you've got an original sound, which, you know, might be getting played from, you know, all around the world, like, there's no way of, you know, we've seen a lot of local DJs who were smashing it on the local scene, but we wanted to think bigger, you know going off and touring and and sort of seeing different parts of the world as well yeah
0: so what was it that what was it that brought you into to producing and what was the what was the thing that, that inspired you back in the day
1: i say for me it was in uh, music college learning at school yeah we had a pretty good setup like jack was saying like and we had music teachers and they just let us go wild and i remember we used to just sort of start making jungle and stuff but it was probably really bad but we were making it at school and then everyone had Just running the room in the in lunchtime and just go mental, and we'd have a rave in this little studio room in the music department. (laughs) It was sick.
0: Love that. So from when you kind of started on started popping up on socials, I went through a few of your socials when you first started. It seemed to be as soon as you started posting stuff as a larger and grundy you started getting quite a lot of success straight away. So like Ghetto Fabulous, for example, was you got support from Green Velvet and. DJ SKT straight off the straight off the mark. Was what what was that like to get support from, from them too on that?
1: Yeah, well with SKT, we released the last release we did is Bang Tide who was Freak. Um and that was on SKT's label. And I think it was, you know, probably about a few years before we were really buzzing off SKT sound. And then it kind of took like, you know, maybe a few years for us to sort of get noticed by him in a way. And then he signed us to his record label so it was on stashed which is his record label uh and that was in the top 10 uh tech house um you know like the main chart um so we got a bit of success from that and then we did the name change so we kind of and that was on stashed as well so that was skt's label but yeah green velvet that was a big one we like green that's yeah. sort of a bit of an influence for us it's green so yeah not nice
0: so was that kind of the biggest, the biggest thing that had happened in your, your careers up to up to that date? Would you say, again, that kind of support, or, or was the things that had gone before that? It, well, to be I'm fair, free
1: got loads of support. Didn't we got support of like Tubenberg, uh, um They were playing it at a festival in um, somewhere in America. I don't know where. And then uh, we. Have... I think a mad thing for us,
2: like prior to that, was um, like Heavy Feet really getting behind us. Um, Two boys that we know that kind of stepped in as like mentors in a way. Um some of our early stuff was signed to a label called Night Shift Sound. Um and we that, that was getting played on
1: radio. We got played on radio one and
2: we like used that. to listen to their music like when we were a lot younger and just be like, Whoa, you know, how they how they managed to produce this. And they, they sort of stepped in. And that, that was a big time for us when
1: we were like, you know. This is pretty amazing. To they hooked up with loads of people, like loads of contacts, like um, Anif Akinola, who's one half of um, Backyard Dog, which they're like old school, old school like rave artists. And um, he wrote, he co-wrote Key, Key is the Secret. And so we got that guy, Anif, vocaling on some of our tracks. Uh, we did an original, then we got Anif to vocal it. And then it got played on Radio 1 and it kind of like snowballed from there, you know. So that was good yeah and that was all linked up through these guys heavy feet in London, uh, in manchester yeah.
0: so that do they kind of sort out the radio one plays, or was there anything that you guys did to to get that and how did it come about basically
1: um yeah it was just good pr so they they've got the links um mike one of heavy feet he's sort of quite linked up and he's big on the kind of industry side of things so i think there's you know some people try to do everything which is you know we do we do try to do a bit of everything but it's good to have like someone who knows about pr or to pay someone or you know for the label to pay someone if you sign to a good label they're going to they're going to have a good pr campaign behind it and they're going to push it to the right people and put it in the right hands yeah
0: so obviously you've been de- you've been producing since you're you're in school. It's just probably really difficult to say how much time you've time and effort you've put in to get into the first point where you were getting big support off DJs. But how, if you if you can kind of try and summarize how how you've how much time and, and effort you put in to get to, to get to that point, how would you kind of sum up, sum that up?
1: Easy over ten thousand hours. Yeah, you got <laughs> you got to do your ten thousand hours and then and then some. I guess some people, some people can get it quicker, and it depends on your life circumstances, doesn't it? Like I had it um, with my daughter's room. Now I have a daughter, when I was twenty. So since then, I've, I've always been a parent, you know. So like, and and Jack, we've both been working full time, so it's hard to like get the amount of hours in that we get on a roll, and then we start making some hits, you know. Yeah. So that's quite difficult. So I guess for you know, so you could probably do it in five three to five years if you did it every single day or at least if you're putting in like full-time, like you'd be putting in 39 hours a week for a job or whatever. It takes a long time.
2: Well, it's not to be deterred if you are, you know, full-time employed or you have got other obligations. It's like, as long as you're consistent with like your your practice, like if you can only put in two hours a week, as long as you keep doing that every week, then you're going to see progress. Do you know what I mean? It's just consistency.
1: That's it. And uh, you never know when opportunities are going to come by, you know, like, It was only last, uh, a few months ago, when we got approached by Kohenchi, who's like a, she's like a, she runs a, the lady who runs Kohenchi, um, she's like a talent scout, so she scouted us, and now she's trying to book us some shows in South America, uh, and and Central America as well. Um, She's booked us a show, so far we've got a show booked in Chile, she's pretty mad so that's in Santiago and it's like a 4,000 capacity venue so that's like oh, wow our biggest booking so far so yeah you, you never know when these things are going to happen like she emailed me and it went into my spam folder and I just ha- so happened to see it there so it's like these opportunities just come along you just got to keep grafting at it yeah you keep going so, you know, so.
0: how buzzing how buzzing were you when you found out you were playing you were playing in a 5,000 capacity venue in, in Chile
1: yeah, mad madness. But yeah, she's she's gonna push us. Like we're working with her at the moment. And you know, we're gonna get some PR companies involved and really try and push us to um, you know, there's potentially some shows in Mexico uh in January. Um so potentially in Tulum and and Mexico City and stuff like that. So yeah, well buzzing for that. Well excited.
0: So obviously you've, you've done a lot for on, on LDC LDC Radio. I think you're still doing stuff for, for them, aren't you? How, how much How much would you recommend kind of having a, a local radio show under your belt if you you're an emerging DJ or a DJ just starting out or whatever?
2: It's good because it, um, it keeps you on top of like uh, you know organizing your songs for when you're DJing and like keeping up with the latest releases. And I mean that's that's kind of the positive aspect of it.
1: Um, yeah. Plus, it's just practice, isn't it? it, really, like DZ? Yeah, I guess it's hard, isn't it? Because unless you're, like, Patrick Toppin or someone like that, like, you're not going to be playing out every single weekend, or maybe some people are, but if you're producing as well and you're looking to take it, like, on an international level, you know, like, unless you're, you're touring all the time, then, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a few, like, maybe a couple of weeks gaps in between a show and then you want to keep your skill set up so that you're you know, practising like that the
0: so you mentioned you mentioned skt how how, how important is he being in kind of helping you helping you progress and supporting supporting you throughout
2: We well, gave us that platform for that release that um you know the last release we did as bang tidy which was you know uh one of our most successful records um and that kind of inspired I mean, that was really the point when we started to take it a lot more seriously. Just seeing the potential of uh, a record on that kind of platform. So actually,
1: so made made money yeah. off a record mm-hmm. as well. Like that was the first time we'd actually made some money, like an alright amount of money off a record. And you know, with that money, we then flew out to ADE and we met met like met yeah. like Joshua UK and and met like Space Jump and just a few people that we've been chatting to online. and It's just nice to like that. You know, that record paid for us to go. To our ADE and then we and then networked from
0: there, so that was good. so what, What's AD What's the ADE like for, for people that, that haven't been? Kind of, what would, would you recommend? Recommend it for, for other DJs and producers?
1: I think it's because you need to be a bit more organised than me and Jack, though. <laughs> <laughs> we just got wasted. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's
2: um, it's it's like it's amazing for networking. Do you know if you were on it and like because there's a lot of like daytime events. Where it's more like, uh, sort of a professional setting. I mean, we were just going to club nights and what have you, but you can if you, you know, if you set a by the right way, then you can, you can promote yourself and really network with some great
1: people. I think like everyone's out there, aren't they? so yeah. we, we we jumped on the uh, stash music. They had like a little thing going in this bar. It's quite cool. They've just got like loads of different venues, and everybody's running all the big brands are there running their events. So, you know, it's good, good place to network.
0: So obviously touched on radio, but kind of local radio there, but you've had a you've had a lot of spins from, from people like Hannah Wontz, Sonny, Sonny Fadera, Tough Love, uh, some pretty big names really. What? How much of an impact have you seen? Do you notice an impact when somebody like that uh, spins one of your tunes? Most recently, Idris Elba dropped uh, our collab
1: with got and the Melody Men, um, and he dropped it in one of two, in fact, two of his apple podcasts or mixes whatever it is and you're seeing crazy plays from it it's just crazy just like shazams from everywhere and and on all the plays you know you can see it all on your phone because it's apple music it's all apple music and shazam is the same thing so yeah that was that's good and i think as well it's a boost for your your morale you know and like when you're sat in your studio and you know nothing's really happening and it's easy to get frustrated and think like what's the point but when you kind of get the feedback of these big djs that you love and whose music you're trying to sort of get on a level with supporting your stuff it's like a, a nod like a cosign, sign and it's like okay we're in the right direction we need to keep going so it helps with the sort of trajectory of you know it's like a buzz off being like you know searching who's been playing the track who's been playing the track it's sick yeah
0: so are you are you sending are you sending these out to DJs or are they just picking up themselves? How's how's it how does it kind of work for you guys?
2: With the record that Idris picked up, um Gorp has quite a close relationship with him and his management. So he's produced a few things for them. Um and I think he sort of got it in their direction. Uh that's how that got picked up, but a lot of the time it's um PR companies in it. The label yeah. the labels will be, you know, doing the promotion campaign. But we do
1: we do send things here and there, but uh, probably probably not as much as we should. It's it's good to be sending stuff to labels who have got a big promo pool because then they've got all the contacts of the DJs so you can literally get it in their, their hands. That's the best way you can get, you know, if some people have like five hundred a list of five hundred DJs on there. So yeah, that's a good way.
0: So, what's your strategy for sending out sending out tracks to to labels? Do do you send out like a a bunch of tracks or do you send out one track out? Because some people send like twenty five, some people just send one. How how do you guys approach it, and yeah, what do you think I, is I the best su- way of
1: doing it? <laughs> I wouldn't suggest sending twenty five because <laughs> these DJs like especially like. I don't know, Michael Bibby or whatever, like he's not going to sit there and listen to 25 of your tunes that are all like seven minutes long or six minutes long. It's just not going to happen, do you know what I mean? Um, I would suggest, you know, if you've got, say, four tunes that are sounding really good, put your best one first, you know, maybe not even sending four tunes, send three tunes or two or one, just get them interested and leave them wanting more rather than sending them too many and they're just like, fuck, (laughs) overwhelmed, you know? If yeah. they like the sound of something and it's not like the right fit for them, then they'll say, "Well, have you got anything else?" Do you know what I mean. And then, rather than sending twenty-five or you know, we've just sent some off to Material Series, it's Material, and they've you know Mahala Safras's label, and we've had releases with him before. And we just had this tune that was sitting around, and it was actually the B-side to a record. We, originally in our heads, we had it as the B-side to this record, so two tracks quite similar. And we sent them both to Snapchat Records. And we didn't expect them to sign them because they're a fucking massive label, but they did. They took one of the, the tracks and that was Domino. But it left the other track and we just remembered it about two weeks ago. We're like, fucking hell, we've still got this other track. Let's send this to Material. And because we've got a good relationship with them, they were like, right, we're going to sign it. But we want one more. I said, well, we haven't got one currently that we can send you. And they, they just said, oh, we'll sign a contract and then we'll secure the place. And then they just know that we're going to, to them something good. So, they, you know, they've got trust in us, which is nice.
0: Yeah, I was going to come on to snatch because I'm a big Raver Raver Star fan, to be honest. So, what, what was what was that like for, for you guys to, to get that get, get that one over the line and, and get that one signed to snatch?
1: Yeah, sick man. I remember looking at the email when we were. I was at work, and they originally they were like, "Oh, we want to take this track," but they'd label they they sent another track, and it was like we were like, "That's not our track." <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and i'm thinking oh is this like a mistake because they accidentally emailed <laughs> me. and then they got back like oh no no it's the other track which was domino and i was like all right okay sick. <laughs> actually was it yeah yeah man that was good and that do you know what that actually got picked up by robag uh in berlin who is managed by vivian from cohenchi which is the international booking agency And it was Vivian who got in contact with us because she was on tour with Robag and he was playing our track Domino all around like South America and stuff. And she was touring with him and she heard it and she was like, what is this track? It keeps set. Like whenever he plays it, the crowd just goes wild. And then that's when she reached out to us and was like, I want to manage it. Oh, I want to be a booking agent in Fair America. So I was like, yeah, sick. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs)
0: So, what are your what are your tips for for DJs or producers that, that are just starting out? What what have you kind of learned over the years is is a good thing for people to do or a good thing? For them not I'd to say do? A, big,
1: a big thing, right, is people get hooked on hardware and having loads of gear, and oh, I can't produce this unless I've got this piece of hardware. I mean, as long as you've got a computer, you don't even have to have a keyboard. You could probably use your your mouse, you know, your, your computer keyboard. Like it's all about what's up here, you know. That's what creates the track, not some hardware. Do you know what I mean? You just got to know it. You
2: know? I reckon like uh, referencing against songs that you like as well is quite a big one. So like, um, there's there's a plugin from Sample Magic Magic KB. She allows you to you know put it on your master chain and reference between songs that you are you know kind of trying to emulate or work towards the the, the sort of sonic quality of
1: which is quite handy. Um, we run span as well after it, so you can kind of see the visual of the kind of pre-master or DIY master um, of your track. So you can run your track through a limiter and then put the magic AB and then put a, a reference in, like an analyzer, like um, span. And then you can sort of flip between the two whilst looking at the span and you can see... Where does yours visually look, lining up to to the other person's track? Obviously, every track's different, but it just gets you in the ballpark. You know, it gets you in the right kind of frequencies. Yeah.
0: So when you when you first opening your zobby, I don't know what you use. Do you use Ableton these days, or what, do you still?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, when we're doing it together, we are using Ableton, but Jack uses Logic as well. Uses use a combination of Logic and yeah. Ableton, and yeah.
0: So when you when you first kind of opening it at the start of a start of a session what what's what's kind of the first thing that you do to to get started what's the just
2: get a kick <laughs> good kick and then like i mean there's so many ways there's no right or wrong do you know what i mean it's like we we've got a bit of a formula but we do stray from it um it's usually be like kick and then bass i'd say like just get a groove going with the kick and the bass because As long as you've got them solid, like whatever you put over the top, it's going to sound going to sound decent. And then just build up the drums from there, and you know, look for the vocal. But sometimes it's good to start with a vocal or an idea because you can often get to the point where you've got your beat there, and then you're just looking for vocals for hours. Do you know what I mean? Which is like a bit frustrating. Where sometimes we might hear like a sample somewhere, and then be like, "Oh, let's make a song using that," and then that kind of determines the key and determines you know the groove so again though there's no we often stray from that formula so yeah you, there's no real there's no real right or wrong it's just
1: just go with the flow lots of trial and error like if a sound doesn't sound great just take it out and try something else you know and, or, or if something sounds good in the right place but it's not got quite the quite got the sonic quality like you can manipulate it using plugins and various effects to create something that's quite unique
0: so where, where do you look where do you look for vocals do you, do you look for acapellas or what How what what where do you look predominantly for vocals
1: it's Like here there and everywhere really um depends what we're doing like for example our track gucci that was a vocal that i recorded um we wrote and i wrote and then got this last to sort of it's not it's not sung it's like spoken word um, and then we sort of revisited it a year later and we were like, let's turn this into an Elijah and Grundy track. Um, but you know, from original vocals, using our vocals, like I often do a lot from Dota Jackson, uh, um, and then using little bits of old school. You can use them like text to speech things online, you can use
2: like. Um you might find something in a film, you might find something in another
1: song where there's like a talking section. Even like field recordings and stuff like that, like YouTube, anything. Just as long as you're getting creative with it, like it he should sound good, you know.
0: So how, how do you guys approach approach social social media? What What's your kind of approach to that? Or is it depend on what you're doing and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I mainly do the social media for us. Um I guess we probably should come up with a bit of a better strategy. It's hard because we're primarily DJs and producers rather than social media experts. So it's a bit of a, you know, if if there's something that we've got going on, like we're doing a night or we're playing at an event or anything like that, you know, we just post stuff like that. So we don't do like blogging where it's like, oh, I'm going to show you what we're doing every day. Um, I guess that might change if we were on tour. A little bit more to report back.
0: Yeah. So do you do you guys do this kind of full time now, or do you have other jobs on the side? What's the, what's the setup at the moment?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, I've got another job, um, which just you know enables me to pay the bills and stuff and and keep my head above water. But you, Jack, you you don't like... Full-time. I do music full time,
2: but I also do like I mean I do so many little bits. Like I record people, singers and rappers, and mix their vocals for them, and I do. Um, I, I do so much stuff. It's, it's hard to keep trying to do tutoring. So I teach teach DJing, I teach production, do some ghost production. Just like to be self-employed musician, you know, if you're not completely popping off as an artist, then you've just got to have your finger in so many different pies. And that's, that's what I do myself.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I guess we're kind of waiting at the moment. It's like we're, we're you know, coming up with a strategy so that we can the releases going forward have, have got a little bit more PR behind them. So, you know, not just, not just going with any label, trying to make sure that the label are really going to offer us something as well as us offering them getting the royalties from our music, you know. Um, so hopefully, you know, over the next year or two, especially as we start going out to South America, you know, we're hoping that as we keep doing our releases, it's going to sort of be a snowball effect. So, you know, we're kind of holding out for that, hoping that I don't have to work my day job anymore <laughs> soon
0: so if there's is there anything that you, you haven't already said that that you might be kind of useful for for up-and-coming djs or producers a, a bit of a bit of advice you've a bit of advice or something you've you've picked up or what, what would you say
2: i you know what i'd say i'd say like don't try and copy everyone else like as much as you want to be in the same sort of ballpark you don't want to just like try and emulate another artist like you're going, to get, you're going to get a lot further like coming with something unique, if that makes sense. like I mean, it's hard because a lot of it does sound quite similar, but you can always have that sort of edge and I think that's going to get you, I mean, this is my personal opinion, but I think you're going to be sort of respected more for that um, as opposed to just trying to copy everyone else because
1: there's a lot of that what goes on. You know. I guess like I was saying earlier when this lady, uh, Vivian, who runs Kohenshi, which is the, um, the 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 tour agency. She heard Domino, and she said, "What brought her to it? What picked her ears up is that it was something totally unique from all the other tracks in the set, and like the crowd felt that, you know. So it's like if everything's the same, it's kind of like it's nice that something's a little bit different, and um, yeah it's I guess it's like any kind of art, isn't it? It's 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 got to be unique. It's got to be like unique to you." Um, if it's if it's unique to you, then you know. generally there's someone out there who's going to like it as well. The last bit of advice I'd say is it's easy to sort of buzz off an idea when you're starting it and then you kind of get sick of it after a while hearing it on a loop. So um, sketch out a rough draft and then upload it to SoundCloud as a private link and then you can listen to it on different settings such as in the car and on other speakers. And You can then write down anything you think needs changing and sort of coming back to the studio after resting your ears and then making the changes. It's a good way to sort of progress your track. And um, you can, when you hear it on different speakers, each set of speaker reveals like a different kind of gap or, or problem in the mix that you can change.
0: Thanks for listening to That DJ Podcast with me, Jake Colley. DJ and the creator of Undiscovered Sounds, a platform for emerging electronic music artists. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating
2: and subscribe.